we go. Well, good to see you this morning. So glad you're here today. Excited to be in God's house. Do you love Jesus this morning? Yeah, we love Jesus today more than yesterday, more than last week. I heard last weekend was fantastic here. I uh, was not here myself. I was at another church preaching last weekend. Thank you uh, to our dream team that holds the fort down, that does so well. You know, I say that in a term because it sounds like you just hold it together. But our team doesn't just hold it together. Our team makes it happen. Come on, our team is what causes these things to occur and work so hard. And so I shout out our dream team as much as I can, showing them love and appreciation. We had a fantastic time at our dream team party last Sunday evening. Come on, did you have fun last Sunday night? Our dream team got together and just had a great time celebrating. And so if you're interested, how can I be at that party next time? You are invited. We'd love to have you there. All you have to do is serve and be a part of what we do here. It's just volunteer. Get with somebody and let us know, hey, we'd love to be a, we'd love to just do something around here and help make this thing happen. And so we celebrate once a month uh, in a big dream team party, and we'd love to have you there as well. We are having a lot going on here at the Avenue. Uh, so many things going on. Small groups are happening. Come on, somebody, small groups. Small groups are going down. Sometimes we can a little, be a little bit of a happy, clappy kind of church. And so this morning, I'm trying to get your energy built up. I'm trying to get us a little bit motivated, trying to get us moving forward here. The fall time is on us. And so make sure that you're engaged today. Fantastic job to our worship team who just really inspired us and made us aware of God's presence. And I believe a lot of times worship does that. It helps us move us into a place of, hey, I believe that God can do something right now. I believe that today can be a day. You may have walked in here this morning uncertain about what today represents, but today could be a day that everything changes. It only takes one day. It only takes one moment in God's presence when everything about your life can pivot. Some of y'all believe that. Maybe not everybody. It's okay. I'm glad everybody's here this morning. But I believe as we unpack this story, you'll see that it only takes one moment in the presence of Jesus for everything in your life to change. Everything. We've been in a series called Miracles, and last weekend, Pastor James did a great job of unpacking for us the miracle that happened for a man that was lame for 38 years and laid by a pool called Mercy at a place in Bethesda. And as he did, and just really brought to life a lot of that story, this morning I want to continue in our series and open up for you a miracle that happened in three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John did not record this. The Gospels, uh, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and three of those Gospels record this miracle that occurred. And I want to unpack it. I want to extract from the pages of Scripture some things and pull it out because I believe not only is it uh, pertinent to our lives today, but I believe it really shows us the value Jesus places on who you are as well. Because many of us come to Jesus looking for a miracle, but not looking for a Savior. We come looking to him, we come to church, I need help. And we receive help. Or we're, we're, we, maybe we don't receive help and we wonder why. I tried church, I tried God, I tried to ask and I didn't get an answer. Or I tried that religion, I tried that relationship, I tried that and it didn't work for me. And too many times because we're trying the wrong thing. So this morning, I want to see if I can pull back, maybe rewind the tape a little bit and go back and help us then move forward with the proper context of what we are doing with our lives and our relationship with who God is. If you have your Bible, turn with me. One scripture. Can you believe it? One scripture this morning we're going to open up with and then we're going to pull out from Mark's account. So one, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So Luke chapter 5 verse 17 is going to set us up this morning. And as it does, we're going to open up then and read out of Mark's account throughout uh, this message. But Luke said this, Luke 5, 17, one day, and this is his setting up this story that's about to happen, the Pharisees, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. That is a good verse. Let me read that last sentence again. 
And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. In this series, we have extracted miracles and pulled them out and highlighted them. And we've also then used clips from a movie, a TV series called The Chosen. So this morning, let me give it to you visually as we watched it in the series The Chosen. We'll pray and we'll dive deep into this message. Check this video out. Answer me. If you were willing, Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. can forgive sins but God our own right but I ask you which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk it's easy to say anything no but to show you and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed.
Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for what you're doing in this space. We thank you, God, for the ability to see things like that and be encouraged. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together in this place. So I pray today, Lord, you would speak to us. Father, let faith rise up inside of us today. Somebody came in kind of broken. God, may they walk out restored. Somebody came in un, uh, feeling unworthy or unwelcome. May they feel received by your grace and your mercy. God, today, speak to us down deep inside at our core. Go beyond our logic and our expertise and go into a place where you want to have a conversation. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 It's going to be a good day. Come on. Do you believe it? How many of y'all understand or know what this terminology means right here? A walk-off. Walk now, that's a sports term for the most part. It's a sports term. It was a walk-off hit. It's when a couple of things have to come in play. The home team has to have runners on base or enough runs ready to go to score with one more hit to win the game. Now, the visiting team cannot have a walk-off because the home team always gets the last at bat. So if the team, home team is down one, they'll need a guy on and a batter up for two runs and so forth. You understand, it could be a tie game. Whatever the situation, the scenario, it's always exciting. Like a walk-off, there's nothing better than going to a game or watching on TV and seeing a walk-off. Why? Because it's your home team coming through in the clutch. How I many have been to a game before and seen a walk-off hit, a walk-off home run? You're watching a game. Now, they have them in other sports as well. I've seen kickers hit walk-offs and, and different things, but you have to have sudden death. You have to have the tension. You imagine the tension that's building in that moment, like people aren't sitting and people aren't buying concessions anymore. You're just staring at the field. Everything matters. You're staring at the screen on the TV, whatever it might be. It all, it all matters. It's come down to this. You bought a ticket just to get to the game. You were going to enjoy a little sports the game was going to be fun. And you found out you were going to be there for one of the best games of the year, a walk-off. Y'all know a walk-off happened last week? Yeah. A walk-off happened just this past week? Y'all Astro fans? Yeah. Come on. The Orioles and the Astros had a three-game set. A lot of tension. A lot was riding on this series. Baltimore took the first two games. In the third game, Houston was up. Then they were down. And suddenly, there was in the ninth inning, your boy was at the game representing the away team. I had the opportunity to go to all three games. Call it crazy? Yes. Never done that before. Maybe never do that again. It was a lot. And I was at game three on Wednesday afternoon. It was almost 4 o'clock, and I'm looking at my watch going, traffic is going to be horrible. Somebody win this game. And suddenly, this happened. Now, now Mauricio Dubon will hit with the infield in. There's a base hit to right. Maybe that's just what the Astros need is a little intensity late in the game and a walk-off hit by Mauricio Dubon. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it, all that tension that just finally is released out in a celebration. Now picture this man's life that we just watched the video of. Years of laying on a mat to the point that he cannot walk himself to the place he can find healing. And he is carried there to this place. And he arrives at this moment. And he goes there just for one thing. But he gets more than he asked for. He got more that day than he was planning for. He got more that day in that moment. He got his walk off. And he got something else too. Imagine all of that tension built up. Watching this man. The pressure of those friends. To carry this man to Jesus and say, we believe you can heal him. We saw what happened to the leper. Can you do it to him as well? They were so desperate. Put a hole in the roof. 
overlook that like it's no big deal. Put a hole in my roof. Man, I was just trying to hear about Jesus. Let me tell you. Like this is the measure that these friends were at. When I unpack this story, when I see this, I, I pull three things out. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Number one, I see the presence of God matters. The presence of Jesus is valuable. They see his presence. Verse 1 says, Mark chapter 2, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Well, think about that. Jesus was home. Does Jesus feel at home in this church? Does Jesus feel at home in your life? Does Jesus feel at home in your home? Does he come to your home and he's like, oh, this is your home. Maybe I'm not always welcome. These conversations, this stuff. When the people had heard that Jesus had come home, they got excited. And I think there's something to be learned from the fact that Jesus is looking for a place to set his presence down. We pray that everything we do here looks excellent. We pray that make sure that you feel warm and welcome and that you feel cared for. We pray that your kids are in a clean, safe, fun environment. We pray that this, everything that we do, we, we, make you know, we let you know that we're really trying hard to do well with what we have to work with. All the way from the front to the back. But at the core of everything... I hope if there's one person that appreciates everything that is done in this place, it's Jesus. I hope that he looks down and goes, whoo, man, I want to visit the avenue today. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus says, if you lift up my name, I'll be there. And I'll be the peace that draws everybody together. I'll be the common denominator that brings people together. We have to build for him a home to rest and reside in, a place that he feels welcome in, a place that he is not only used for miracles, but believed in for who he is. That was what was unexpected. They didn't see that coming. They didn't understand that's exactly what would happen. Why? Because when you're in Jesus' presence, you always get more than you ask for. You get more than you bargained for. You get more than you came for. It's like going to mom's house, and mom says it's time to eat. And you're like, nah, I'm not hungry. She puts food on your plate, even though you're not hungry. And you eat it, and then she puts more food on your plate. And then she gives you dessert. <laughs> Mama just came by to say hi. I got more than I asked for. Ezekiel chapter 42 God gives some very unique instructions to the Israelites. He says, hey, when you come in to the temple, when you come into the temple, you come in the east gate, leave out the west gate. If you come in the north gate, leave out the south gate. When you pull from that, you look at it, you're like, oh, God must have really been into geography. <laughs> he was really into making sure that they understood the way that the traffic patterns would fit them best. Not at all. Look deeper. He was saying, when you're in my presence, make sure you leave out different than the way you came in. He said, when you come into my presence, make sure you came in one way and you leave out another. Don't come into my presence walking out with the same stuff you came in with. Feel free to leave your baggage behind. Feel free to leave your luggage here. Feel free to let go of every care and concern and anxiety. Feel free to come in walking one way and leave out. Woo! I feel free this morning. You can walk into small group and feel free. You can walk into a service and feel free. You can walk into a dream team party and feel free. You can walk into growth track next Sunday night and feel free because you can leave out different anytime you're in God's presence. To have your experience his presence to the place. When you're in devotions in the morning, it's 5 a.m. and you're scratching your eyes. You leave out of that five-minute, 15-minute devotion. Whoo, I feel different than I did 15 minutes ago. It can happen that fast. Driving in the car, put a song on. That music is playing. Lifting up the name of Jesus. And you get out of your car. 
feeling different, knowing something just happened inside of you. There's something about the presence of God. Number two, believe that we see his word. Verse 2 said, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. Not a seat available. No room left. And this is an odd point. Not even outside the door. Like it was covered up. No room. And he preached the word. Now, this is no ordinary preacher. This is Jesus. You imagine the word preaching the word? The living word, preaching the living word. I'm an average preacher trying to preach the living word. Could you imagine Jesus? I mean, he is the word. The Bible says he is the word made human, word made flesh. In a way, I could almost imagine Jesus being like, I'm here to preach. Like no words needed. Because he was the word made flesh and they could look at him. But now he opens his mouth up and he begins to speak and talk. And as he is, suddenly they listen to the words that he's preaching and the house is full. It's filled up. And all of a sudden, verse 3, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man on the mat he was lying on. And we have some distractions. Jesus is preaching. There's distractions. The roof roof starts caving in. They lower this man down. Like at what point does he just stop preaching? At what point is he trying to preach through it? If you're a school teacher, if you're giving a presentation, you got PowerPoint. Put yourself in this situation. It's a full house. All the tickets are sold out. And now suddenly somebody is put a hole in this man's roof and coming down. And distractions are everywhere. You will have distractions come into your life fighting for the presence of Jesus. Fighting for the word to be spoken to you. The moment you begin to read your Bible more, I'm going to do the one-year Bible plan. You'll have brand new distractions you never heard of come into your life. My kids sleep in every day until you wake up early to read your Bible. And distractions come his way. Now, this is a valuable leadership lesson. You can either see obstacles or you can see opportunities. And your attitude determines what you see. So in life, you can have a problem or you can have potential. Every miracle is centered on this. I've got a problem and I focus on the problem, I've got a problem, but it has potential. So what do you see with the situation you have in your life? Do you keep talking about the problem, or are you speaking about the potential? When you think about the place in your life, now this may be a major miracle you need, or it might be something lesser important. It may be something that is just frustrating to you. But do you keep focusing in and using your words that create your world you live in to speak over it and keep talking about the problem? Or do you keep redirecting the problem to a place of there is potential for God to do something here in this situation? Do you see opportunities? Do you see obstacles? This is challenging, but this is a place that you train yourself to get to so that when you look at it, you realize that Sunday morning, we lease this space. They let us know there's a huge festival going on here for race fans. The parking lot is ours. We lease it. However, 
There will be people to get here for racing at 6.30 a.m., and if you're not careful, church, they're going to park in that parking lot, and you won't have anywhere for your church to park. Oh, that'd be terrible. What a problem that would be. What an obstacle placed in front of us. So what do we do? We see an opportunity for people to serve God in a whole new way. So we ask, hey, would some people come together at 6.30 in the morning and guard the parking lot all day and protect spaces so people can come in and park and just gently guide people that are here for the race to another parking area assigned for them? Simple enough. But if you see it as just a problem and go complain, yeah, but we leased that. We shouldn't have to worry about that. But that's not our fault. That's your problem to deal with. We could have taken that attitude and approach. We didn't. We saw it as an opportunity for somebody else to sow into the avenue and say, I want to volunteer. I want to serve. What can I do? And so Aaron and some other people stepped in, and they're here at the crack of dawn making space. No big deal. It all worked out. Besides one angry customer, you always got that angry elf, you know? <laughs> How do you look at your situation? Jesus has got to be looking at this going, hey, hey, God. Hey, get him out of here. Get him out of here. Push him off to the side. I'll talk to him after church. It's a distraction. And it's amazing because we always look. See, the Bible teaches us and gives us illustrations and stories about people, and it uses a lot of terminology like this. Gender condition. Paralyzed man. The woman, the issue of blood. A blind man. A lame Man, it gives us condition and gender. Oftentimes to describe the individuals in the story. And it doesn't change a whole lot in today's society because we still use labels to describe and explain people. That man stole from that business. He's a thief. That woman is on her ninth husband. She's been divorced. That kid is on medicine. That person, and we go on to tell what this guy and that girl did and to help describe them, explain them. And we're so limited in our ability to see the potential of what it could be based on what we're looking at that they have done. And we have this situation because this man has paralyzed legs and we can only see skin deep. We can only see as far down as the eyes allow physically. And Jesus sees an opportunity that nobody else sees. He looks into the situation and he says, I'm going to do something here that you didn't expect. You're going to get more than you asked for by being in my presence today. And I think so many times we really get frustrated because Jesus may be answering questions we're not asking and he may be fixing things that we don't want him to fix. And he may be working on areas that I didn't ask him to work on. I asked you to fix this part of my life. Why are you messing with this stuff over here. And this man is in the presence of God. He's hearing the word of God. And number three, now he's about to have a story. So we see God's presence, we see God's word, and we see this man's story. And in this story, the crowd just wants a miracle. That's where they are. The crowd wants a miracle. That's, we get it. That's what they're there for. They've seen the signs and wonders. It's like coming to church and you're like, who? I hope that girl sings that song today. That's my favorite. 
and you're there to hear a song make you tingle and feel good, inspired, and miss out on an opportunity you have to let God know what you think of him through that song. We don't sing these songs so you can listen. We sing these songs to lead. It's just worship leaders. We're not elevated on a platform so that we're above and better that, better than. It's just simply so that you have a better view, but you feel I can lean into that song. Those words explain exactly how I feel about God. I couldn't put words to music any better than the feeling, the thoughts I have right now towards God. Put them on the screen so they're, remember the old books? But too many people attend the first part of the service just hoping they sing that song. Man, I hope that preacher is on fire today. I hope he's short today. I'm the same height as I was last week. It's a bad joke. Don't laugh at that. I just hope. And yet you can come into church and get so much more out of it than you even realize. You're walking out, shortchanging yourself. Missing out. But God, I'm just waiting on you to fix this. I can tell you something. God has done more for me in so many moments that weren't the moments I expected him to move in. I was serving one Sunday at a church years ago. In the back. How many of y'all remember CD duplication? Back in the day, it was tape duplication. Then it became CD duplication. And I was in this, we had all these CD towers. And I mean, the service was over, and people would be wanting that message on demand, and we were, that's the recorder, that's whatever. It was duplicating them as fast as possible. We'd take the little stickers off, put them on the, like pancakes, and getting them out of there. I was serving doing this. Wasn't pastoring. And this man came up to me and said, I, I, you've been married about a year now, huh? His name was John Washington. He said, you've been married about a year now? Let's talk. I said, yes, sir. Older man. He said, I remember my first year. It didn't go right. I was like, that's my first year. We had never had a conversation. And he said something to me in that moment that I believe came directly from the heart of God. <laughs> Y'all want to know what it is, but I'm not telling you it's private. You got to have your own moment like that. But it caused me to pivot. Because in your serving, God will work. Not just in, well, you know, I serve one, I sit one, so I'm in the back and I'm doing this, I'm busy, but now I'm coming here and now I'm here, now I'm paying attention. You will sometimes experience freedom just in serving. Just in giving obedience. God, okay, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to give my time, my money. Stop limiting God to be able to work through your life in a particular way that you already have diagnosed how he has to do it. God has to do it like this, like this, and like this. And I'm going to do this, and then this is going to be the outcome. Oh, we have the whole thing written up as if he's a genie in a bottle. Three wishes. What do you want, Christians? Jesus walks into this space preaching. The room is filled up. They put a hole in the roof. They set a man down. He's in the And now we have an obstacle or we have an opportunity. And Jesus looks at him, and he says to him, your sins are forgiven. Now, I've told you before, if I was in the Bible, ooh, like I, I try to insert myself into the Bible in these stories. Find a story, throw yourself in, find a character, think like that character. It helps you extract and pull things out. If I was in this story, I'd have got kicked out the Bible. 
remove him from all three Gospels? Because I'd have been like, question. It's his legs, Jesus. His legs. His legs. You know? That's what they had to all be thinking. Jesus! And the Pharisees all caught up in who has the power to forgive sins and who gives you authority? And the people are sitting around going, did this go over his head? Did he, was his back turned when he was lowered through and he just happened to be laying in this basket on the ground? But when you're in the presence of God, and Jesus actually performs a miracle before the miracle they want. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Let it be known there is no greater miracle that can happen in your life than your sins are forgiven. What are my sins? My sins are I'm missing the mark. I tried on my own. I'm not getting it right. I never will. I messed up repeatedly, intentionally, unintentionally. It's on me. I own it. They're mine. I got to pay for them. Jesus looks at this man who can't even walk and says, all those things, gone. But he didn't even ask for forgiveness. That'll mess with your theology. Jesus, forgive me my sin. He didn't even request it. Jesus offers him forgiveness without the man asking. What is this man thinking? I was about to tell my sins now. How do you even know? Who knows? We could speculate. Maybe it was because of a sin that happened that he was paralyzed. Who knows? Maybe he came that way. Whatever. But this man, what has happened? And Jesus goes on to say, now, 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 now. To show you the power I have, the authority I have to forgive sins on the earth. Oh, by the way, I'm going to make his legs healed. Every physical healing you receive in your body still death is undefeated you can be healed of cancer you still die eventually Lazarus raised from the dead died the boy we're going to study him in a couple weeks raised from the dead Jesus interrupts a funeral procession still dies a little girl Jairus' daughter speaks over her in the bedroom. She comes back to life. She still die. The man with the withered hand still dies. This paralyzed man would live to walk but still die. That is why the miracle in the heart, the spiritual miracle, proves you can live forever. See, when your sins are forgiven, that doesn't lead to spiritual death any longer. Now you have spiritual life forevermore. Outward physical healing will still lead to physical death. Well, that's bad news. It's good news. Good news. Better news. Spiritual healing. And we come too many times wanting a kidney fixed, my blood pressure lowered, my anxiety gone. And it may just be that God is trying to get into your life and go, I want to fix your heart. I want to fix your life. I could heal you and extend your time on earth. But what really matters to my Father in heaven is that you are there with us forever.
I am not trying to belittle physical healing. I believe in it. We prayed for physical healing this morning, as Jessica referred to. We pray for it every week. We believe for it with high faith. But you have to look into the situation and see, the miracle here is the miracle of authority. That Jesus has said, I can forgive sins on this earth, set people free. They're sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this man talk about himself like that? He is a blasphemer. And here's what I want you to see as we close out. Some of you sitting here are paralyzed as well. This man was paralyzed in his legs. What he didn't know was he was paralyzed in his heart. And this paralysis that was taking over him, Jesus was willing to heal in his life. And I know some of your stories. I don't know all of your stories. I know who some of you are. I don't, certainly don't know who everybody is. And I know even in my own life, this has been so real to me. That paralysis will cause my life to stop and miss God. I walk through paralysis of fear and been so afraid to walk on a stage and speak that it paralyzed my life and my calling. And had I not submitted and surrendered to God and said, I'm going to do it, even when it's uncomfortable, I would not walk in the fullness of my calling. And I believe there's too many people missing out fully on what God wants to do in your life because you're paralyzed by fear. Fear of what will happen if you say yes. Fear of what will happen if you go. Fear of what will happen if you give. Fear of what will happen if you just believe. Fear of what will happen. You know, I've been married once. Why would I try that again? I don't want to get again. I'm not going to go ask for prayer one more time. I've asked. God knows my need. Why would I do it again? Fear. I'm not going to volunteer. I know me. I, I'm not good with commitments. I was waiting. You can ask Tara. I was waiting on God. I was, God, please, please take an angel and him come down and just put a little dust on me and make all the nerves go away. I wanted God to just snap his fingers. I had a plan, a way, and a procedure that he would follow to make me stop being scared to speak in front of people. Guess who didn't follow my plan? And every time I'd get on the stage and walk up, I was scared to death. And it never stopped. It wouldn't quit. One time, I drank a bottle of water before I even got to reading the whole passage scripture, opening up. Tara's looking at me like, put the bottle down. I'd preach so fast, I was so nervous. And she'd say, pump the brakes. Because we're all waiting for God to do and follow our script. But the more I walked it out, the more freedom I discovered because it wasn't so much me learning about how to communicate publicly. It was more so God having to do something to get the fear and the pride out of my life that, man, if I mess up, I'll be made a fool. If I mess up, I might go viral. If I mess up, maybe somebody will think and laugh at me. That stuff is rooted deep down inside. And if you allow God to pull that pride and pull that fear out, but what if they don't like me? Who cares? I'm not preaching for you to like me. I'm preaching for you to like him. And when you want to please people, it is a hard mixture to pastor. So God knew I've got to get those things out of him for being most effective. So I allowed this condition on his life. It took me a long time to see. 
So I'm telling you, reminding you, urging you that it could quite possibly be the thing you're asking God to do. He's allowing it to stay there for a moment because he's trying to get something else out of you for you. you feel this morning that there's a place in your life that feels paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by uncertainty. You're just afraid to pull the trigger. This man was brought to Jesus by his four friends. Maybe this man had no faith in himself to go. Because the Bible says the four friends, and Jesus looked at them and said, your faith he didn't look at a man and say, your faith has forgiven, brought you forgiveness, and your faith has brought you healing. He looked at the friends and said, their faith. This is why you need to be in a small group. Because when I don't have faith, they will. I need four good friends. That when I'm frustrated and doubting and fearful, paralyzed by fear, pride, anger, my friends come along and they carry me to Jesus. Say, hey, Jesus will deal with you. If you're isolated and alone, how do you walk through life? This man's friends actually were the reason he found healing because they believed, not even him. That guy got a sweetheart deal. Sins forgiven, legs. He was dreaming. I'm going to do the cha-cha dance at a wedding one day. One hop, one hop. He gave up that hope. He gave up that dream. He gave it all up. And his friends still believe. You're in a room this morning that if you've given up hope, the person next to you still believes in you. And the irony is they'll believe in you, but they won't believe for themselves. It's a whole other series. There's faith in the room. If you need spiritual healing, there's faith here today for you. If you need physical healing, there's faith here today for you. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down to the front. This team would just love to have the moment to pray with you. If you need a physical healing in your body, wherever you are, would you just lift your hand up? Not in my notes. I'm going off script now. You need a physical healing. If you see somebody around you with their hand up, would you go lay a hand on them? Pastor, we don't normally do this. It's okay. Go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Move out your seat. If you're up here at the front, you can move to the back. And put your hands back up. Put your hands back up. If you need a physical healing, somebody's going to come pray with you. Come on. Father God, we thank you now in Jesus' name. If you with somebody, begin to pray over them. God, we thank you for healing. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that heals us. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that comes down into our lives and does what we can't do on our own, a supernatural work that can set a shoulder back in place, that can heal a rotator cuff that seems to be torn, a healing that can come across my body and lower my blood pressure, that can remove a disease, that can heal my voice, that can fix my vocal cords, that can bring healing to my body. You cared so much about our body that part of your crucifixion and suffering was just so my body could be healed. We are not belittling healing in our bodies. We believe in whole health. We believe that you want our soul and our body to prosper. So God, bring healing to your people this morning. Somebody's watching online. Believe for your healing. Ask him for your healing. In Jesus' mighty name. You never stop working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working.
somebody received something today they didn't plan on getting. I think you just came in this place and got more than you asked for. I think it happens every weekend. I think sometimes we just don't notice it. I'm going to ask you to open your eyes and begin to see what God's doing. If you're here today, you say, I need that spiritual healing. I need spiritual healing. I want to pray with you. I'd love to have a moment just to lead you in a prayer by faith to believe that God can forgive. He's done it for so many. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. Just close your eyes for a moment. Just a moment of privacy. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you. I'm not going to invite you down to the front. I just ask you, shoot your hand up. Just so know who I'm praying for. If that's you, shoot your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Across this room, I'm going to ask our entire church to pray this prayer together. It's short. It's simple. There's no magic in the prayer. There's no secret recipe. It's just simply, I want you, when you say it, to believe that God is doing what you're asking him to do because he's given us permission to ask him. Say, Jesus. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. And forgive me of my sins. As you forgave that man, forgive me. Make me new. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, God. Amen. Come on, celebrate. God's doing some amazing things here in our lives.